Hello and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, the podcast where we discuss cybercrime and cybersecurity news. And this week we will be looking at a new serious vulnerability, initially thought to be a simple Chrome issue, but has now been revealed to be much, much bigger and beyond anything Chrome related at all. Google was the first company to notice the flaw, reporting it as a Chrome issue. Which is not the worst situation ever, but in theory can be resolved by simply switching web browsers and installing patches when they are released. However, it was later noticed to actually be a vulnerability in LibWebP, which is an open source library for rendering images in the WebP format. You may recognize this format from when you tried to save an image to use in a presentation, but then found out you can't use it because you downloaded it as a WebP file and are unable to actually use the image as, well, an image. However, WebP files do have a purpose besides annoying graphic designers. They provide better compression, much better than JPEG or PNG, for images displayed on websites. That means web designers can use smaller images that are still much higher quality, which makes their websites run faster and reduces data storage needs. Both of which are absolute wins. By the way, if you ever need to, you can still save WebP images as PNGs or JPEGs, it just takes a bit of extra effort to do so. Anyways, it's this library that has the vulnerability, not specifically Chrome or even other Chromium-based browsers. In fact, this vulnerability is present in other web browsers such as Microsoft Edge and Firefox, which aren't Chromium-based as well as software applications like 1Password, Slack, and Discord. It's even used on operating systems like Windows, Android, iOS, and even macOS and Linux, because, well, they also need to render WebP images. After it was first discovered in Chrome, Apple Security Engineering and Architecture discovered the vulnerability in iOS, as did the Citizen Lab at the University of Toronto. And this was after Mozilla discovered the vulnerability themselves in their web browser Firefox. So, we know this vulnerability is potentially everywhere, which is bad, but what exactly does it do? After all, you need to consider not only how many systems are affected by it, but how bad the vulnerability actually is. And unfortunately, it's pretty bad. The vulnerability is tagged as CVE 2023-4863, and it's a heap buffer overflow error in the libwebp library. A heap buffer overflow is a type of error that occurs when data is written to a heap allocated memory buffer. More data than that buffer is designed to hold. This can cause that data to be written in different locations of memory, which can cause unexpected behaviors like data corruption or remote code execution. Remote code execution is the ability to, well, execute code on machines remotely over a network connection. The vulnerability works with minimal user interaction. An attacker can basically create a malicious HTML page or WebP image, which will write too much data to the heap buffer, causing the overflow. If commands can be written and executed to different areas of memory, an attacker can use that to gain a foothold into a system and execute more attacks from there, like downloading other types of malware. In fact, a spyware known as Pegasus, which has existed since 2016 and attacks mobile devices, both iOS and Android, has exploited this WebP library vulnerability to spread in its latest iteration. This is a pretty serious vulnerability, so what can you do about it? Most web browsers have already released their own patches for the vulnerability, so it's important to update them as soon as possible. Unfortunately, since the malware affects so many different applications and operating systems, 
it can be difficult to manage in a large environment, especially if you're not immediately sure exactly what systems are doing what or have what software on them. It is very difficult for organizations to keep track of thousands of assets, find which ones have the vulnerability in their operating system, investigate all the software running on those systems for the vulnerability, and patch all of the software and the OS. Thankfully, vulnerability scanning can help find those problematic machines, but false negatives are still possible in some software or operating systems. If a false negative is left unpatched, it could be devastating. The best option is to install security updates as they come out, disable any unneeded apps and services, or isolate systems that can't be patched yet. Zero days that are as severe as this are difficult, because system isolation for a lot of systems really isn't possible a lot of times. If it's your front-facing web server, you can't isolate that, because then your web server is no longer accessible to the public. The severity and scope of the vulnerability combined has been compared to the Log4j vulnerability Log4Shell, which has similarly been quite ubiquitous in many systems, and very difficult to patch out as a result. Similarly to Log4Shell, systems could remain vulnerable for a while, possibly with many people being unaware. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, and thank you to ARS Technica, The Hacker News, Bleeping Computer, and Security Boulevard for information on this new vulnerability. It is always really scary to see vulnerabilities this widespread, so it should be taken seriously, although there will likely be many attacks exploiting it. My name is Chloe Tonus, and until next time, stay secure.